And what is good, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy, We Too Deep. We're back with another episode here of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. It is our NXT deadline review coming, you know, live reaction right after the show ends. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of this show um and uh, just dive on in so so let's sort of set the scene of how we're going to you know discuss this show um you know of course we'll go match by match and sort of give my my thoughts on them um but I, but I also you know I made a claim back in October I made a claim in October that NXT deadline was going to be you know, the, there was three shows. You know, you had Crown Jewel, you had Survivor Series, and you had Deadline. And I made the claim that NXT Deadline was going to be the best of those three shows. And 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 we'll, we'll talk about that. What, what Did I live up to that claim, right? Did the show live up to that claim? Was I correct in, in that uh, atmosphere? But, but I also then want to sort of talk about... Um, of course, we'll go through the card, but then I want to talk about um, the the uh, sort of the crowd reaction, and that's where I want to start. Um, the crowd seemed hot at times and not so hot at other times, and and I, and, and as we go through the matches, um, I, I I will sort of linger on to why I think the crowd responded to certain p- people or not. I felt, and, and this was sort of something that kind of, kind of scared me going into this card as they started to build uh, the show out. Was the the real sort of lack of star power, right? Of course, you have Trick and you have Carmelo and you have Braun and you have Tiffany, um, but there wasn't any of the guys that you know, that I would say that are crowd favorites. Like, putting a tag match with the D'Angelo family on this card, I felt would have made better sense than some of the matches that we had. Putting, uh, you know, uh, Roxanne had a match, and she's, she's a crowd. You know, I just feel like there's a little bit more crowd uh, favorites that aren't being used. Um, and... NXT is a, a very interesting type of product because it is um, seen by a lot of the fans as, as a developmental product. I don't personally see it that way. Um, but I... Because it's seen that way, you know, and, and the way they use it, it's, it's a place where, you know, you have people in the performance center who are coming up 
And the way it's technically, you know, the way it should be used is you're here and, and you know, after a certain amount of time, you get caught, you get moved up to Raw or SmackDown to make way for fresher talent. Um, and, and, and what I feel like NXT is trying to do is instead of doing that is sort of, sort of creating a permanent roster, which I'm okay with, but there's so much newer talent that you've just sort of influxed on to the NXT universe, the NXT fan base. You know, you got a lot of new women's talent. Um, the women's division is completely different than it was a year ago in terms of like who the big players are. Um, you know, Tiffany's definitely getting caught up. And so them taking the title off of her and sort of moving her to more of a background character until the Royal Rumble um, is is creating a place to where, you know, Lyra Valkyria is doing a very good job as champion, but the rest of the, the sort of division, you're, you're putting a new influx of talent. Kiana James is, you know, up there. Fallon Henley's been here for a while, but, you know, the newer people like... Uh, um, Petrovich and uh, Izzy Dame and, and Lash Legends getting um, more into and more involved in this division, whereas someone like a, a JC Jane, a, Ch- uh, a Thea Hale, um, a Gigi Dolan, are sort of being pushed again, being side characters, and you're you're pointing uh, to more newer talent um, that the universe may not be aware of. Um, as much or uh, be behind as much and so I think the crowd really showed that and and in the same essence as you know people you know CM Punk was on Friday Night Smackdown he gave a little one-liner about uh, Kevin Owens uh, punching people backstage and sort of comparing it to you know his uh, situation with AEW as a little jab a little playful jab in the crowd you know some people say they didn't respond very well or the way that they should have and uh, you know when you're when you're in this northeastern crowd which doesn't really get a lot of wrestling outside of WWE and a lot of them are super casual you're not going to get you know that the type of reaction you think of and in that same way with with you know the casual feel of a lot of what I, I get out of you know the northeast fan base you know, main roster WWE is all that most people, I would assume, pay attention to. It's a super casual fan base. You know, they want the Roman Reigns and the Seth Rollins and the the guys like that. And so you, you put on a product like NXT, and while there were NXT fans there, the, the crowd, I feel, you got the energy that, you know, it, it's sort of the same feel I felt at the beginning of the year at, at Vengeance Day when they were here in Charlotte where because the Charlotte fan base is kind of the same way in that they're super casual and they know a lot of the main wrestlers. But when you put something on like an NXT where a lot of the talent aren't recognized by the mainstream uh, casual fans, you don't get the, the, the reaction that is, ne- you know, ne- necessarily expected, um, and, and so it is a little bit dangerous for NXT to do these tours like this in these smaller towns. You know, the next PLE is next year's Vengeance Day in February in, in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is like an hour outside of Nashville. Um, 
but it's a smaller town. Um, and you know, it, it, it's a different audience than what Nashville would be. Right. And, and, and Bridgeport's a different audience than what Boston or New York would be in the Northeast. Right. And so I just wanted to sort of, you know, recognize that, that as a fan watching it on TV, you know, the crowd was, I don't want to say dead, but it, it wasn't as responsive as a more hardcore audience would be. And, and, and I think I think that's why location is, is super important. Um, and not saying that the crowd was bad. I thought, you know, it had its high moments, it had its low moments. But I think a lot of that is because, you know, as much as, you know, I would say that location is a problem and is, is part of that, I think it's also... The, the, the job of the booker to give the crowd something to cheer for. Um, this idea that I have to cheer just because, you know, just to cheer um, is, you know, I, I don't subscribe to that ideology. Um, uh, you have to give me something to cheer for. And, I, and I, I don't necessarily think the build for this event was as good as it was last year. Um, it just didn't feel like a premier live event to me. Um, and so with that being said, uh, we'll start there. We'll, we'll talk about the card. We'll start with the pre-show where we had Nathan Fraser taking on Axiom. I uh, actually in, thoroughly enjoyed this match, um, which is surprising because there wasn't a story to this match at all. The, the, the sort of reason for it happening is sort of, you know, we're good friends We've uh, faced each other numerous times. Let's just take it back for old times' sake, and we're just gonna have a good match. And 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 I'm fine with this happening, you know, once, maybe twice on a card. And for them to do it on the pre-show, you know, as a crowd, um, uh, to inject the crowd with with some energy. I thought this was a very good match. If I were to rate it, um, now I'm still sort of, we're going to release the We Too Deep uh, rating scale in 2024 where uh, I'm going to start rating each pr premium live event of, of the year. Um, and I'm going to hold a list to see what my highest ranked premium live event um, is at the end of the year. You know, and so I'm sort of still sort of perfecting that how, how how that works out um how it how i rated this event just sort of for clarification is um out of 10 so one two three four five six seven eight nine or ten out of ten um and so an a match an a match would be a nine out of ten or a ten out of ten a b match would be a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten a C match would be a 5 out of 10 or a 6 out of 10. A D match would be a 3 or a 4 out of 10. And then an F match would be a 1 or 2 out of 10, right? And if you're really that low, you shouldn't probably be on a PLE to begin with. Just my opinion. So with that being said, Fraser and Axiom is a 7 out of 10 in my book, which gives it a, a B rating. Um, right. So, so like, for example, so within the B's, you have a seven or an eight out of 10 to be a B, right? Seven out of 10 is a B, eight out of 10 is a B plus, right? 
And so this was a B match. It wasn't like the greatest thing ever, but it is also a pre-show match. The entire point was just to sort of inject the crowd with some energy. You had some very good spots. Um, I'm a little confused with Axiom winning the match, and I'm sort of looking forward to seeing where that goes. Um, and, and, I, and I'll say that sort of as a general overview. A lot of this pay-per-view, premium, premium live event, whatever you want to call it, um, seemed to me to be more of an advancement of storyline than an ending of storyline because PLEs can serve two purposes. You either end storyline or you extend it. You give a bit, another plot point to continue a story. And these, this more so felt like extending storylines, continuing storylines, or creating new storylines. Um, a lot of storylines didn't end here at this event. And so I think that also could sort of change the way you look at matches, right? So we start with the actual show. Shawn Michaels comes out. He starts giving a, uh, you know, he comes down. He's like, are you ready, right? You know, the, the, the little thing, excuse me, let me learn how to talk here. The little thing that DX does there, you know, you know, this was 20 years ago, right? And he starts with that, are you ready, right? And, and that's fun. And then CM Punk comes out. And this is fun, right? This is the and then I saw a lot of people complaining. Why is CM Punk here? This dude's running a whole tour of the whole company. Guys, guys, do you not realize what's going on? CM Punk's a free agent. He's being courted by all three brands in WWE. He's gonna make a decision on Monday who he's going to sign. He literally laid this out on Friday night SmackDown. What's going on? Um, but having him here is 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 fun. It's it's it started the show again. Injected a little bit of uh, energy into it. I would have loved to see some backstage segments, even if it was just him and Sean walking into Sean's office to talk, or CM Punk, you know, them doing a uh, ending a match and going backstage and having CM Punk walking out of Shawn Michaels' office like, "Oh, thanks for the talk," or something like that. Right? Um, just to build a little bit more intrigue to maybe the possibility of CM Punk signing with NXT. Um, and and so the the CM Punk promo wasn't necessarily bad. I know a lot of people have given him, like, oh, they sort of, like, you know, grabbed, grab, they have him sort of grabbed by the balls and he has to behave and and he's, you know, fragile punk and he's, he's PG punk and, and all of this, and I and I thoroughly believe though that CM Punk is trying to make the best out of this uh, circumstance. Like he's at the pinnacle of all wrestling again. He's getting another opportunity. I like the little allusion to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels that was made. I like you know the idea that hey, I I've made amends with Triple H. We're going to be adults about this. Um, I, I I thoroughly enjoy what they're doing here. Um, and you know, it, it makes it interesting to want to tune into Raw on Monday to see CM Punk actually make that decision on where he's going. Excuse me. But with that, with that starting, we then get into the actual matches. You get Dragon Leave fighting for the North American championship against Dominic Mysterio. Um, I will say this, Rey Mysterio seems very awkward, even on like commentary. I, I thought I found that to be a little bit awkward. Um, I feel like outside of the ring, you know, even when like he did the press stuff for, um, 
2K22 was that the one he was on? Uh, and he he was a little awkward on that and on that uh, the press stuff, the commercials. That seems out of his out of his sort of uh, expertise, out of his comfort zone, um, where he would rather just be in the ring and, and doing that type of stuff. I feel like him on commentary also was a little bit awkward out of his comfort zone. Um, and I don't know about you. I'm completely just worn out of the whole Dominic Rey Mysterio storyline. I'm tired of it being brought up. Like it's been like a year now and everyone's still like, Oh, we want Dominic and Ray at WrestleMania again. I'm like, bro, we literally had that, you know, almost 12 months ago. Right. It's, 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 I think it's an old story. It's stale. I don't necessarily think anyone actually cares about it. Um, the match, this match itself, being sort of la- made last minute, um, it, it was, it was decent. I'm not a fan of the 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 ending uh, or the uh, the result of the match, but I'm I'm, I'm not going to sit here and like bitch about it and cry about it. You know, it is what it is. I just don't understand why Dragon Lee. You know, it, it's just it. This title's been hostage since Dominic won it. And Dominic's done a decent job defending it, but what tends to happen and what it feels like is they're just going to keep it on guys that can show it on SmackDown or show it on Raw instead of building the the men's main roster or, or, or mid-card, excuse me, and building the mid-card in NXT and giving them something to fight for. They're putting it on Dominic or putting it on Dragon Lee, who you know are main roster superstars. Um, there's so much talent on the mid card in NXT, guys like um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the mid card, you know, guys like uh, shit, like Josh Briggs could win it because he 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 bought out. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Briggs, um, you know, Eddie Thorpe, Corbin could even hold this title and 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 build something. Die Jack, um, I feel like you know. We need to get that back, you know, Fraser, Tyler Bate, guys like that who could could build that division around NXT superstars rather than just having it on someone that could show it on Raw or SmackDown. And so, you know, Dragon Lee winning is fine. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily wowed by anything in this match. I will say this. Dominic is good at playing this character, but he's still a little sloppy in the ring. His in-ring work is a little sloppy at times. Um, I felt, uh, the match pacing was a little off to me. Like it it started slow and then it started to pick up steam and then it started getting slow again. And then towards the end, it started to pick up steam. And, and I think at that point, like it wasn't a bad match. I rated it a 6.5 out of 10, uh, which is a, uh, what, what a C match. Uh, you know, a C plus match. It was an average match. Um, it wasn't anything, you know, overly good. But it 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 it, it was it wasn't bad, right? And it and it served the purpose that it's supposed to serve. Um, I'm a little disappointed Santos didn't get involved. I I really thought that we would get a Santos Escobar uh, interference with this with the with the fact that Santos is you know, f- dealing with Ray and the LWO and Dragon Lee on SmackDown, you know, having Santos Escobar here, you know, I- I'm also just like, like, what's the point of not having at least Rhea Ripley with Dominic here? 
Uh, it just, I, I get it. The you know when when mommy's not here, I lose, and and he can go in and complain about it. But I don't know. I just, I'm not as much as you know the good press of having it on all three shows. I'm just I'm just tired of the Judgment Day. Personally, I think the North American Championship needs a fresh story. It needs a fresh champion. It needs to get out of the the SmackDown and Raw storylines. And just, you know, be used for what made it what made Wesley such a good champion was that he defended against the NXT mid-card and it was a solid week in and week out. And Dominic doesn't do that. And that's what that title's meant to do, right? That's what it's meant for. Is to be defended and build that mid card. And so I, I just I don't hate that Dragon League's champion and I and, and I like what they're telling and, and, and it's it's not necessarily my least favorite thing going on in the world of wrestling. But it just I just personally would wish that they would give put it back on somebody like, uh, you know, give it to someone like Eddie Thorpe, who I think could benefit from a title run, or even someone like Duke Hudson, uh, who could benefit from an actual title run. Um, moving forward, we got the women's Iron Survivor match. I gave this a seven out of ten. Uh, and this was the main match that I'm talking about that lacked star power. To me, that was the biggest issue, was that it lacked, like, recognizable star power. Um, so you had Tiffany Stratton, which is recognizable. There's some star power there. You had Fallon Henley, Blair Davenport, Lash Legend, Kalani Jordan. Though, Other than Tiffany, there's no one recognizable to a casual fan, Right? And even Tiffany would only be known to the more casual NXT watchers. Um, and so this match really suffered from the fact that Kalani Jordan has only been on the, on TV for, you know, less than four months. Um, Last Legend, you know, has been on TV for a while, but has always been sort of like the butt of everyone's jokes. I will say this, she had a really good performance tonight. Um, she has th- very, like, very much improved her in-ring ability. Um, I've, I, out of all the people in, uh, involved with Metaphor, she's like the best in terms of growth. Um, I, I cringed when she was introduced as part of the team, but she's really growing, and you could tell she's putting in a lot of work which is why I think she's still on the roster, right? There's a lot of people you could just tell aren't, you know, who would have the opportunity she has. And, uh, you know, she's been on TV for a year or two at this point. You know, after a year or two on TV, if if she didn't improve, I would say you got to get rid of her. She can't make it in NXT. She's not going to make it on the roster, right? You got to make room. But she's she's improving. She's, I'm assuming, putting in work during the week at the performance center and doing what needs to be done. Uh, and, and, and you can, and I assume that because I can see the fruit of that in that she's putting on, you know, it's not, she's not the best in the ring, but she, she, she has a, almost a handicap in that she is a taller, you know, more 
and I don't mean this in, in a bad way, um, but a more, you know, she's taller, more, ma- I don't want to say masculine, but, you know, she she's built a, more so la- uh, like, you know, she's not Roxanne Perez. Like, Roxanne Perez can walk in, and, and you can't book Last Legend in the same way you'll book Roxanne Perez, because Perez's story will always be the, the underdog, right? Whereas... She's more of like a giant in the women's division, and I feel like they've done a very good job booking her in in this metaphor, especially in this match as the giant that that she is in the women's division. Um, she's taller, a little bit more stockier, and and yeah, she really impressed me. I'll be completely honest; she really impressed me um, with her growth over the last year or so. Um. Overall, though, I'm not happy at all that it's Blair Davenport. Like, I would have been happy with anyone but Blair Davenport winning Iron Survivor. Because I'm just not at all interested in Blair Davenport. I haven't been when she was on NXT UK. Wasn't when she was on the Indies. Didn't care about her when she was in AEW. I just don't get what they're doing with her. And I don't know. I just... When I go into this, and, and, and I'm pretty certain I got all these predictions wrong. I'm gonna, uh, To be honest with you, I don't remember all of my predictions. But I'm pretty certain I got most of these wrong. I had Fallon Henley winning this match. Mostly because of bias. Um, but more so because I you know I looked at, the, looked at it logically. And said, well, we'll we're going to build these type of matches. There's, there's a story with... Blair Davenport, that would have made a lot more sense, and that's the story of her and Nikita. You could have had Nikita Lyons come out the same way Eddie Thorpe came out and attacked Blair Davenport to stop her from getting that last fall and have someone, you know, out of that match. Like, Fallon Henley should have won. And, again, this could be biased, but she's put in so much work. And and, and I think even... Because there's no way Blair Davenport wins the title, right? Davenport's not taking the title off of Valkyria. I don't see that happening. Um, And so, if we're not going to take the title off of Valkyria, you don't want to put Kalani Jordan in that place. She hasn't been here long enough. Um, And Last Legend's still growing. And then you have Tiffany Stratton, who's definitely going to Royal Rumble. Uh, and so she's just there to for some sort of name recognition. And Blair Davenport, you could have built the story of uh, with Nikita and then Kalani and Lash get a story going. Um, but it appears they're going to go Lash Legend metaphor and then like metaphor against um, Briggs Jensen and Fallon Henley, which I'm okay with. That's a, at least they sort of tied that together um, here with a backstage segment showing that. But yeah, I just I don't I don't get the love for Blair Davenport. I don't think the fans are into Blair Davenport at all. Um and this idea that she attacked all these people, well, the first person she attacked is back, right? Nikita's back. You 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 got to continue that storyline. And so my assumption is is at New Year's Evil in the match, Nikita Lyons is going to attack Blair Davenport. But you could have had that happen here rather than wait four weeks and 
like three weeks actually, but rather than wait for it three to four weeks for it to happen, have it happen now, you can continue that story, and that way maybe at New Year's Eve where you then have Blair and Nikita, and and, and actually put someone like a, a Henley, or, you know, even like, I know people don't want to see it, but like even Kalani Jordan getting a title opportunity, Kalani Jordan was probably the best performer in this match. In my opinion, she is so good. Now there was that one spot where she did like uh, the moon salts or like the backflip. I don't know what the I'm not a gymnast, uh, but she 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 either jumped over the ropes doing them or something, and she put way too much on it. And instead of sort of like landing on the superstar, she it's like hit hit him hit her with. Her, her legs and went completely like back first into the announce table. But but that comes with time. She'll learn to, to fix that. Um, she was performer of the night to me. She really stood out to me. Um, you know, your uh, breakout woman su- superstar with the, you know, she didn't show up. Um, you know, I, I just, I felt there's a little bit more they could have given to this division to really continue some more storyline. Like, like Lola Vice has this, this contract that she can cash in and she didn't necessarily have to cash it in, but at least come out and try to tease it. Like not having Lyra Valkyrie as well in a match on this card is kind of, kind of weird to me as well. Like that match should have been def- uh, uh, defended and, and, and there's a match that I feel we could have taken out of here to, uh, to replace it, and it's actually the next match we're talking about, and it's Carmelo and Lexus King. I get the story you're trying to tell here, um, but the match itself was actually pretty mid to me. It was it, it was a pretty mid match. I gave this um, a six out of ten. The match itself was pretty mid, um, but what's really interesting about this is the story, the potentiality of the story that's being built here. That's what really drew my interest. I like Lexus King. I think it's very, very telling that in four weeks, um, if that, probably a little bit more, about a month and a half. In about a month and a half, Lexus King feels more important than Brian Pillman Jr. ever did in AEW. And I know I keep saying that, but I bring up that point to show you that, like, everyone sort of had this idea that, you know, I go to AEW, I can be, be my own creative, and, and, and you know, WWE doesn't isn't the place to be used. And WWE is proving to a lot of these potential free agents out of AEW as these contracts start to end, hey, you're not being used Come to us, we will use you. And, and, and WWE is making a concerted effort to use as many people on the roster as they can. Um, and they're making Jade Cargill come out to be this big thing. They're making Lexus King come out and be this big thing. And making them feel important. You know, Ricky Starks, I think, will be the next one to leave. You think of someone like a Wardlow or... Um, a Wardlow or a, a Will Hobbs that I think, and Hobbs I think will stay, but someone like a Wardlow, Ricky Starks, guys like that, that, you know, I could see a potential move to WWE being a very beneficial thing for them. Uh, but, yeah, 
I think the match itself left some to be desired. Lexus King, um, he's still he's still very indie. Like I've seen him on the indies before. Um, he's still very his styles is still somewhat indie. He's still learning this. Uh, there's definitely a learning curve that comes with it. Um, he's not bad though. The character is really fun, and like I said, the story is interesting on where this will, will end up with what's going on with Lexus King. I, I see big things for him in the the year of 2024, to be honest with you. We'll move on to the men's Iron Survivor. This was my highest rated match, but it wasn't, it's not going to be my match of the night. It's the highest rated because of the, the sort of gimmick behind it. And I thought it had the best like overall performance. Um, but I don't, I'm not going to call it the match of the night. Um, eight out of 10, um, there was more action, a lot more star power, just an overall better match than the women's Iron Survivor. Um, and so you had Braun Breaker, you had Trick Williams, you had Tyler Bate, you had, um, right, the, the three of the five guys were pretty liked by the, are pretty liked by the fan base. Uh, Dijak people, you know, he's, he's a heel, so he gets booed and that's okay. And then you have Josh Briggs, who is sort of the unknown guy who really shined. I think he's the performer of the match. Um, again, that could be a little bit biased because I do like that pairing of Fallon Henley, Josh Briggs, um, and, uh, Brooke Stinson. I really like it. Um, but, but Josh Briggs, again, I've seen him live and at an Evolve show several years ago. I, I know what he can do. He's a talented dude and, and, and I, I'm happy that he's starting to, you know, that this group is starting to get some airtime because I think they're very good and just need some time to, to shine. And NXT is definitely sort of moving into giving some more time to some of these people as we start to move some of these people up to the to the Roller SmackDown roster. Um, Trick winning this match came out of nowhere to me because he was down. He was the only person at one point to not have a fall. And I was sitting here and I was like, how did I, like, like who's going to win this? Um, and then for him to get four falls in what seemed like the last two minutes was a very good touch because he, he went through the penalty box several times. Um, he, uh, Trick Williams though is a superstar, like out of anybody on this card tonight, he had the biggest pop. He had the best crowd reaction. People love Trick Williams. Um, and uh, yeah, Trick Willie, man, is a superstar. If they do this correctly, he beats Dragunov on the first, at New Year's Evil. If they do this correctly, that's what you do. You 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 uh, you have him beat Dragunov, um, and he becomes champion, and he just dominates. Have him dominate as like the crowd favorite, and and just start getting in all these banger matches because because he is such a star, man. And I love seeing this because at one point I really thought that they were just going to have him be Carmelo sort of like manager, but they're really letting him him shine on his own as a wrestler, and he's making the the most out of this opportunity. Um, so you know, not much more to say. Braun Breaker's a beast, but we already knew this, and we kind of figured, hey, he's going to the main roster. Uh, speaking of. Braun Breaker, now that I think about this, I forgot after the women's Iron Survivor, 
Uh, Cora Jade did show up like the rumors said was going to happen, um, which is interesting and will set up something, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, it, it, I would have liked a lot better to have Cora Jade in the Iron Survivor match or to have her, you know, not just show up there. Like, I, I, I like the surprise returns, but put her in the match. Like, you could have taken out... Honestly, Blair Davenport. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna complain. About, I'm gonna complain about Davenport every time she's in the ring. I'm just not a big fan of her. Uh, moving forward, though, we're gonna move on to Kiana James and Roxanne Perez. I gave this a seven point five out of ten. Um, women's cage matches really scare me. Um, and it scare they scare me because there's a lot of risk just for anyone to be. 20 feet in the air on the top of these cages, but I feel like the women try to prove themselves too much. And so there was a point where like they both were on the top of the cage and they were fighting and I was just sitting there and I was like, get down. Like you don't need to be up there. Right. Um, and it just felt like a risk that didn't need to be taken. Um, the match itself, this is actually going to be my match of the night. I thoroughly enjoyed this match and I'm, I'm sure some will disagree. Um, but this was a really, really, really good match for Kiana James first cage match ever in her life. Like she was very comfortable in that, in that element. Um, and you know, her getting the win is exactly what needed to happen. Her getting the win, the way she got it makes it even better. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who are like, well, it's a cage match. It's not supposed to have interference. Don't, like, have you, like, she's a heel. And I, and I get so tired of this, this idea of heels can't do heel things because the gimmick is supposed to stop them from doing heel things. Like, Roman Reigns have, has been in cage matches before where the bloodline get involved. That's part of being a heel. I just, like, so, so Izzy Dame came out. She, uh, she, uh, attacked... Uh, Roxanne Perez helping Kiana James win. And it seems like that that's going to start being a, a partnership at some point, which I like because uh, Izzy Dame, she's going to be a good performer. She did very well in the breakout tournament for the match she was in. And, yeah, I just uh, – I like it. I like it, man. People hate on it, but, man, this is this – is, Good heel work. Kiana James is a good female, strong woman, boss babe of a heel. And I love it. Right? We need this type of character in, in WWE. And this is this is something that they could definitely benefit from. I don't understand. Oh, I don't like the way the match ended. Okay. What don't you like? Like... A story was told. It's going to continue. Roxanne Perez is going to say, you know, if you didn't have Izzy help you, right? And and this is, I don't know. I just, I don't get how you don't like this. Oh, they were in a cage. It's supposed to stop interference. That has never stopped it from happening before, right? Judgment, not Judgment Day. Well, I'm sure Judgment Day, whenever they're in a cage. I don't remember. I can't give specific examples at the moment because it's late. I'm tired. And I, I don't have time to sort of research this thing. But I, I can probably show you several cage matches in the last decade or two 
that interference it happened on. Right? Just because, you know, it's a steel cage, heels are going to do heel things, and that's fine. I'm pretty certain it happened in a bloodline match that was in a cage. Like, that's what heels do. Can we quit complaining about heels doing heel things? That's why I think there's such a disconnect in a lot of independent booking, and this includes AEW, where, like, it's hard to tell who the heels are because the crowd complains when heels do heel things. Right? For example, Ric Flair goes on Rampage. He cuts a promo at the taping that's super, like, risque, you know, to telling all the 25-year-old women to meet him at the hotel. That's his gimmick. He's a heel. That's what he's supposed to do. And y'all bitch about it. It's hard to be a heel in the indie scene in an AEW because the fucking fans don't understand heel work. Oh, man, Izzy Dame shouldn't have gotten involved. Why not? Tell me Tell me how else. How else is that supposed to happen, right? You need you need strong women heels. Like like this is a fantastic way to end this match. Was a fantastic way to end this match. And then we move forward to the uh, main event: Corbin versus Dragonoff. Uh, I gave it a seven out of ten. It's still, you know, the, the, it's easy to see what they're doing with Dragonoff. They're telling this story that no matter what happens, Dragonoff. I've never seen somebody win so many matches in a row after getting the living shit beat out of them. Like, against against Carmelo at No Mercy, got the living shit beat out of them, won the match. This match, got the living shit beat out of them. They focused on the ribs this time, right? And he got, and he, first off, he's a damn good seller. Damn good seller of these injuries. But I've never seen somebody get the living shit beat out of them. His match is against Dijak. Like, he gets the living shit beat out of him every single match that he's in. And and, and, and the, the story they're telling with him is the story of persecution. Or, excuse me, not persecution, perseverance through what you can call persecution. Let's just say that. Like I said, it's late, man. It's late. It's late, and I'm saying words that make no sense. <laughs> the, I, the idea is perseverance. Right, he's persevering through the pain. He has, you know, he's persevering for his family, right? And so this again just con- completed. This probably was the one that compl- uh, the only match here that completed a story. Um, but it continued. It's telling the story of Dragonov, the dude who's willing to go to any length, suffer through all this great tr- uh, trials and pain, and put himself in a situation where he's probably going to lose, but he perseveres. He, he he gets through the hard times. And I like it, man. I think he should drop the title, though, on, at New Year's Evil. Let Trick take that title. I think Dragunov should move up and show up at the Royal Rumble um, and, and move on from there. Um, but, yeah, a lot of what happened here is going to basically... St- start a reset of NXT like they always do at the Royal Rumble, I think we're going to get a lot of people moved up to Raw or SmackDown. Um, I, I, I thoroughly do. I think I think Breaker's gone. I think Roxanne's gone. I think Carmelo's going to leave. Uh, I think um, uh, possibly Tiffany. 
you know, there's a lot of people I think could be caught up to to Raw or SmackDown through the Royal Rumble, and and NXT is going to need to replenish this talent, and they're doing a very good job at doing that. Um, and so yeah, I'm just I that gives the show a seven out of ten overall show. That's a B show. Um, which gives it a, the same rating that I gave Survivor Series. Um, but let's talk about it. If y'all remember, I gave Survivor Series a B- because of the circumstance of CM Punk. Without the CM Punk, it's like a C+. So, was my prediction that this was going to be a better event correct? Uh, It's subjective. I think it was better than Survivor Series, personally. Um, I thought both events were super uh, underwhelming. Neither of them really delivered the way I thought they would. Um, But it was because I feel both of these events were more storytelling events than... You know, the, the uh, b- both Survivor Series and Deadline, I felt were uh, premium live events that told and continued stories rather than just a match to end one. Um, and so, uh, when you when you when you use these events as sort of plot points and and not just a place to put matches on, you're not gonna get your ten out of ten shows. Right, some of your shows are going to be, you know, just storytelling events, and and you can't you can't fault them. So I I don't necessarily think I was right in saying that it was going to be the best event, but I definitely don't think I was wrong. I think they're they're equal. I think Survivor Series and Deadline both delivered the same product to me, and so they tied. That that's how we'll end it there. Um, they they tied. Um. Let me know what y'all think about it. Join the Discord if you're not in it yet. Link in the description. Thank y'all for for uh, watching and listening. As always, leave a review. Like, share, subscribe. Share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever likes wrestling. You know, if you want to promote the show and, and make a sign for us, if you go to a live event, please do so. You have my blessing to say, you know, to 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 promote the show for me, right? Um, again, merchandise at slappingmeatwrestling.com. That's slappingmeatwrestling.com. Again, Junkyard Media Group Discord. Link in the description. Thanks again for watching and listening. And I will see you guys on Tuesday where we will do the end of the year awards um, with DJ WVD, myself, Junkyard James, and Cody. Um, from James and Cody from the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. Um, but until then, I will see y'all on Tuesday. Y'all have a great rest of your night, your great, uh, great rest of your weekend, and I will see y'all on the next episode. I'm going on a wild hog If I like get some moment, I'll make sure it's an explosion. Cause lately I've been No. Oh.